You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 953 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Saturday evening. And this show is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked on Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Today's podcast will center on Saturday afternoon's win for the Hawks in Los Angeles against the Lakers. A uh, not all that pretty victory, all things considered, but a victory nonetheless. And with that win, the Hawks have now won eight games in a row. There is always context, and I'm big on context, and I'll provide some of it later on in the podcast. But the top-line thought here on the podcast is the Hawks are 8-0 in their last eight games. Nate McMillan's 8-0, and this is the first time the Hawks have won eight games in a row. since the 19-game winning streak the Hawks went on famously back in 2015. So this team isn't quite as good as that team. I have to be honest about that. Um, I'm sure that probably shouldn't be. I, I think it's probably not controversial. In case it is, I'll just say it. That team's, this team's not as good as that team. With that said, that's a great stat and it's been a long time you know that's six years ago at this point in time and the Hawks are playing really well right now we'll dive into the nuts and bolts of this game which was not like fantastic for Atlanta but again it's a win that's all that matters and you start the winning streak uh sorry you start the road trip off with another win to add to the streak so we'll dive in here as we always do on the podcast if you're a new listener welcome aboard and please subscribe to the podcast and with all that said we'll dive in now to what transpired so at the top here the Hawks go to Los Angeles a weird afternoon spot, a 12.30 local time tip-off for the Lakers. The Lakers, of course, won in Atlanta earlier this season in a game most remembered for courtside Karen and the issues with LeBron and the fans. The Lakers, the Lakers have been playing better recently. They've won four games in a row. Um, the other thing that happened in this game that was out of the ordinary was that Rondo returned to Los Angeles. He got a tribute video and a nice uh, reception from the uh, media anyway. And the uh, Lakers team, there were actually no fans in the building, so couldn't get a full tribute, but it actually happened, and I guess it aired on the uh, on the Lakers broadcast. But the big thing here was the injuries for Los Angeles. So Anthony Davis played the first time around in this game. Uh, he's actually been out for quite a while now, but he missed this game. And then LeBron goes down. We'll talk about this more later on. LeBron goes down in the second quarter, and uh, that basically changed the game. You know, the Hawks certainly could have won. They were actually winning when he left the game, which is definitely worth pointing out. But it goes from a spot, and I tweeted this during the game, but it goes from a spot, a spot in which the Hawks are, you know, at the time, up by four, maybe like a coin flip to win the game. Um, at least in Vegas it was. And then once LeBron goes out, the Hawks are definitely favored to win, and they took care of business at that point in time. But that is the second biggest thing. You know, the biggest thing is that they won eight games in a row. That is the top-line thought. But from there, in terms of this game in particular, was the LeBron injury. LeBron's going out changes the entire game, and that is worth pointing out. Um also, Damian Jones' revenge game for the Lakers as he uh, plays against his old team with Marcus Gasol out of the lineup. The Hawks had their complement of guys who have been playing for the most part in recent days. Still no Hunter, still no Reddish or Dunn. Uh, Nathan Knight was questionable with an ankle injury, ended up playing. Brandon Goodwin had, was actually out of this game with flu-like symptoms, but he hasn't been playing anyway. So the Hawks actually closed this game pregame as 3.5-point underdogs against the spread. Um, and that's according to our friends at betonline.ag. So the Hawks were, you know, three and a half point dogs. That's about what you would expect. That's actually a little bit less than you would think, except for the fact that AD is out and the Lakers have been playing well. But the Hawks, you know, this is the first time the Hawks have been an underdog in any game pregame since the second Miami game. The last six games in a row before this, the Hawks were favored. So this is a challenge on paper. They played pretty well out of the gate, though, and the Hawks took, took the lead in the early going. It was actually, uh, you know, it's kind of a back and forth, back and forth. Uh, Click Capella got a second foul 
within the first three minutes of the game. It was not a good click Capella game overall. We'll come back to that later on, but he kind of struggled, especially offensively in this spot. And a pretty bad second foul decision by Clint. Normally, I want to highlight when it's a bad call. That was not a bad call. He just kind of went through somebody's back on an offensive rebound chance, and he had to come out of the game as a result. They went to Nathan Knight from there. Uh, but the Hawks got going with an 8-0 run. They featured two threes in a row by Kevin Herter and then an easy bucket out of a timeout to give the Hawks a 16-10 lead. The Hawks sort of used their traditional rotation for the most part in this game. The only change from the entire uh, the entire streak is that the Hawks did use 11 guys instead of 10. They gave one stint to a Kongwu and sort of split his minutes up with Nathan Knight. And then when it really mattered, the Hawks played either Collins, uh, mostly Collins at center, honestly, down the stretch. Um, but Because Capella only played 23 minutes in this game, and they played the last six minutes or so with Collins at center. So there was not a whole lot of backup center minutes anyway, and they split them between those two guys. But for the most part, everything else was pretty standard when it comes to the recent rotation. The Hawks led by as many as eight in the early going. After John Collins had, set, had, sorry, had 10 points and five rebounds in the first seven minutes or so, I thought the Lakers did a pretty good job getting the ball, getting the ball out of Trey Young's hands. Trey was... Uh, Patient for the most part, especially in the first half of this game, not shooting a ton. In fact, he didn't score until the last like, three minutes of the first half, but uh, good assists early on. He had four assists and taking take what the defense was giving him for the most part in the early going. Um, Wes Matthews had a couple of threes, actually three in a row for the Lakers to tie the game at 25-25 at one point, and then the Hawks hit a three from Solomon Hill at the end of the first quarter to take a three-point lead at the end of the first. Not a ton of offense. Um, the Hawks did score about an average rate in that first quarter, and then uh, that continued the rest, the rest of the way until, you know, until late. This is definitely a defense game. I'm not sure if it's a defense game necessarily or just kind of a bad offense game. It was one of the two, or maybe both. But a slow pace and a pretty grueling contest, as you might expect from a game that finished up in the double digits instead of the triple digits on the scoreboard. 95-94, sorry, 99-94 in this game. In the second quarter... Um, it was kind of more of the same for the most part, um, except for the LeBron injury. So we'll start. We'll start there. Capella sat for the first nine minutes or so. Uh, sorry, the last the last nine minutes or so of the first quarter. And he came back in to start with the second quarter, um, and then course, the headline switches to LeBron, who gets hurt with about 11 minutes left in the second quarter. Solomon Hill rolls up his ankle, sort of diving for a loose ball. It looked really bad, honestly, in real time. And I guess there's been a report now from ESPN that he's going to have an MRI on the ankle. But if you watch this game or if you didn't watch this game because they had a tournament or anything else on Saturday afternoon, um, I'm sure you'll see the replay at some point. But I was stunned that LeBron stayed in. You know, he's well known for being kind of a cyborg uh, alien and that he does not really get hurt very often. And he was obviously hurt. He was writhing in pain and screaming in a way that he does not usually happen. So I was a little bit worried about that, of course, as someone who appreciates the NBA, not necessarily the game itself. But um, he gets up, he walks it off, reties his shoe, all that stuff, and actually hits a three right after that. He stayed in the game, which was stunning. But then within two possessions, it was clear he couldn't run. And he he took his, he basically took time out took took himself out went right to the locker room and then he was ruled out before the actual end of the first half occurred. So when the Hawks sorry when he went out the Hawks were leading 34-30. As I mentioned before the Hawks were winning this game when he left so it was like they had a huge comeback without him or something like that. But obviously it's a pivot point in the game. The Lakers I checked this um, right after that the Hawks were kind of like going flips to uh, win the game in terms of the betting market. So. It doesn't necessarily mean that it was an easy win for the Hawks, quote unquote. They still had to build, they still had to build the lead, but um, that's obviously huge. I mean, you can't you can't overstate that. Lebr with LeBron on the court, the Lakers are awesome, and when LeBron sits, the Lakers are bad, and it's not really even any, anywhere in between. Especially offensively, the Lakers can still get stops as we saw in this game without LeBron. But it's not just it's not just LeBron either. Obviously, they're missing AD already in the game, and then you factor in that they now have their two unquestioned offensive and defensive, but especially offensive leaders out of the game. 
And it was very obvious immediately they could not score. Um, they did have, sort of had a couple of nice hot shooting moments in the second quarter from that point forward, but especially in the second half it manifested. So that's, that's important. You can't overlook that. There is some context necessary for this win, but that definitely happened. From there, um, the Hawks did not play incredibly well. As soon as that injury happened, there was there was a nice stretch by, by Rondo, actually, though. He had a nice pick-and-roll finish. He was definitely amped up for this game. You could tell his energy level was pretty high, facing his old team. And he had a fantastic whip pass to Bogdanovich. Even if he missed the three, which he did, that was a great pass by Rondo. He had a couple nice moments in the first half. Um, but the Lakers actually went on a mini-run. It was an 8-2 push to go up by four. So it was actually 16-8 to at one point after the injury. Uh, so the Lakers had their one sort of burst of energy at that point in time to take the lead and uh, kind of withered from there. Trey did score finally at the end of the first half after not scoring the rest of the way. I thought he actually played pretty well in the first half. I would argue, honestly, it's going to sound weird, that Trey played better in the first half than he did in the second half. And if you look at the scoreboard in terms of just the points, I believe he finished the first half with four points and had 10 after the half. I think he played better in the first half quite frankly. So that was just like, the, you know, decision-making and efficiency stuff. And uh, I just want to point that out because I thought he actually was underrated in the way that he played in the first half of this game. Capella got his third foul late in the first half. Just like the second one, it was a bad offensive rebound attempt. Again, not a good night for Capella. And the Hawks are down one, actually, at the halftime break. Um, they, didn't shot, they didn't shoot well in the first half. They did win the turnover battle for the game and the half. And they beat up the Lakers in the offensive glass a little bit. Um, the Hawks took 14 more shots than the Lakers did before halftime, but actually took nine fewer free throw attempts. Collins was awesome, which definitely helped. He had 18 and nine in the first half. But as a point of reference, I looked this up during halftime. The Hawks were minus 146 on the money line, according to our friends at BetOnline.ag, to win the game. And that's basically an implied odds. If you're not, if you're not a huge gambler, um, that means the Hawks are supposed to win the game about 60% of the time at halftime, and they were down by one. So kind of, that kind of tells you that like at that point, Vegas is looking at the Hawks as the favorite, as they should have been. The Hawks are just flat out better than the Lakers without LeBron, quite obviously. So keep that in mind as we look forward in the rest of the game. But first, we'll touch on all that stuff in a second, but we want to talk about our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. And while the NBA is the topic of this podcast, obviously there are all kinds of wagering options up and down the menu at BetOnline.ag. One of the main things right now is college basketball with March Madison full swing up in Indianapolis and a ton of games to check out in that space. In addition to that, you have the NHL, you have golf, you have tennis, auto racing, MMA, whatever you like, you can find it at betonline.ag. And on top of the sports action, you can also wager on awards and TV shows and reality TV entertainment options up and down the board. You have all of those kind of things. And BetOnline also features real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. The prop market is are a lot of fun. If you don't have an opinion on the side or the total, the props give you another way to dive in on the action. And BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets. It's also free to sign up for an account. Head to the website right now at BetOnline.ag or use mobile device to sign up right now today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the site. Yes, it is a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, but you have to use the promo code Locked On. One more time, that is promo code Locked On for 50% more on your first deposit. But online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we'll dive in now in the second half of this game. And honestly, the story of the game, other than the overall wing streak and LeBron's injury, was the first few minutes of the third quarter. That's when this game was decided, quite frankly. And that was, it's pretty obvious looking back at it, that was when the game really kind of flipped in Atlanta's favor. Uh, the Hawks scored the first 12 points of the third quarter to take a 64-53 lead. Uh, it was Snell hitting a three on the first possession. The Lakers missed their first 11 shots in the third quarter, and that included three turnovers inter inter interspersed in there as well. So they had 
you know, 13, 14 possessions in a row without a, without, a, without a bucket of any kind. And that's how you lose, honestly. So it wasn't too surprising. The Lakers are pretty anemic, anemic offensively. I will say the Hawks did play some pretty good defense. Um, it's easier, of course, their task is easier against that that shorthanded Lakers team. But the Hawks did and should be credited a little bit for their defense in the second half. It wasn't just Lakers floundering, and the Hawks did have their part in that. But again, that was the biggest stretch of the game, a 12-0 run. And when the Hawks won, won this game by five in the end, it probably was not that close late. The Lakers kind of made some fruitless attempts in the final minutes to make the game closer. But that 12-point swing was the game in a nutshell. Um I will point out, in the middle of that run, Capella missed a dunk and then two more bunnies. He was 3 of 13 from the field at that point in time. Finished the game 4 of 16, which is really hard to do when you're quick Capella, taking his volume of shots. So we'll come back to that. But man, that was uh, the one sort of negative of that little spurt was that Clint could not finish around the rim. It would have been even bigger of a run. Once that settled down, it was kind of back and forth the rest of the way, honestly. Not a whole lot of fireworks on either side. Uh, there was a exchange by, by Rondo Dennis Schroeder, old friend, um, that netted a technical foul by Rondo, but actually the Lakers missed the, missed the free throw, so it didn't really hurt the Hawks. Um, Gallinari hit a couple of jumpers late in the third. That was kind of it, though. It was pretty ugly basketball for the most part. In fact, this is kind of a crazy stat. The Hawks were 8 of 22 from the floor and had five turnovers, which is really bad for a quarter, and they won the quarter by 10. <laughs> because the Lakers scored 12 points in the third on 522 from the floor, 06 from three, and four turnovers. So that was a really bad basketball quarter to watch, especially the last like seven, eight minutes of it. Um, but it worked out for the Hawks. They won the quarter by 10, and that's when they won the game. Um, by the way, Collins had 25 and 14 after three quarters. He was fantastic. Uh, in the fourth, not a whole lot of drama, honestly. A couple of threes by Gallinari and Solomon Hill early to give the Hawks a 14-point lead with nine minutes to go. The Hawks weren't necessarily lighting it up, offensively, as we'll come back to in a second. But the Lakers scored 20 points in the first 17 minutes of the second half, which is remarkably poor offense. Um, the Lakers did kind of come alive, scoring five in a row and getting within nine with 6.16 to go. That was probably the time of all that the Hawks were threatened the most in this game is when it was down, when it was a nine-point game with six minutes to go. Um, obviously, the Hawks were still in control at that point in time, but, you know, six minutes is a long time, and uh, that's not a huge lead. But from there, they were able to kind of... Um, you know, milk the advantage down. The Hawks should play the rest of the way with a pretty interesting lineup. Um, Capella was off the court, which which was not surprising to me because he was not good in this game. But they played Bogdanovich, Herter, and Gallinari together with Young and Collins. So they, they, they went basically all offense. Obviously, guys like Collins and Bogdanovich, and even Herschel playing good defense this season for the most part, um, are not like terrible defensively by any means. But you're definitely going offense, and that's not an usual decision when you're up by 10 or so. Um, that was just interesting to me. I had no problem with it whatsoever because those guys are probably your best players. In fact, especially with Capella struggling in this game, those are, you know, five of your top six available guys. So I had no issue with it. It was just kind of interesting to note and see that from McMillan. Um, Trey hit a floater out of a timeout to go by 11. The Hawks were pretty bad, though, again, in this stretch. There was a bad air ball, like a weirdly bad air ball by Kevin Herter from three, and Young had an air ball early in the, th in, early in the fourth quarter as well. And the Hawks just they, they couldn't put the game away. It was still in control. For the most part, if you watch this game, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. But they were never threatened, but it was not like they were able to put the game away. In fact, it was a single-digit game with three minutes to go. And then it was seven with two or three left. And, you know, seven, you're in great shape, but it wasn't like it was over. And the Hawks scored three points. And by the way, this is with an offense-first lineup. This is with the lineup that I'm talking about with, with Young, Herter, Bogdanovich, Collins, and Gallinari. They scored three points in four minutes. That's very bad, especially when you're, when you're playing an offense-first lineup. But it didn't matter because the Lakers could not score. That was the theme of the second half. They, they could not score. But Gallinari hit a three 
out of a timeout to go by 10. That was pretty much the dagger, honestly. Um, you know, there was a couple of faint moments from the Lakers. In fact, they got it within five with 30 seconds to go. But even then, that was after a free throw. Um, and the Hawks had the ball. So, you know, with the ball up five, you're in great shape. And the Hawks took care of business to put the game away and win by five. So, obviously not a pretty game overall. In fact, the second half was as bad as you would think it was by the score. Um, the Hawks scored 47 points and won second half by uh, six, which is not what you normally expect. The Hawks were 17 to 45 from the floor in the second half, which is terrible. Four free throw attempts as well, but they took care of the ball better anyway. Um, the Lakers were even worse, including two of 12 from three. And honestly, until the garbage time of like the last four minutes or so, LA's offensive numbers were jarringly bad after halftime. Um, again, I want to stress, like, you, you win eight games in a row, you'll take it. I mean, this is the NBA. You could lose any night. And as much as I want to make sure people understand that the Lakers are pretty bad without LeBron and AD, this is still the win you have to get. You're still on the road, and they could have lost. I mean, they could have obviously not won this game. So you get the win. You win, you win eight, eight straight games. There's nothing to be ashamed of with that. you got to catch the breaks when you get them. The Hawks haven't gotten a ton of breaks this year until this recent ring streak. So now things are seemingly swinging in their favor, which is positive. And they got the win. As a result, and by the way, as I record this, the Hawks are now the, they're now tied for fourth in the East as of Saturday afternoon. Uh, I'm, I'm recording this about 6.30 p.m. Eastern time, so a couple games to go still, but Miami hasn't played, isn't playing today. So the Hawks will be tied for fourth when you wake up tomorrow on Sunday, which is pretty wild given where they were just a few games ago. Um, other stuff from this game, big picture-wise, um, you know, we'll get, we'll get into in a second, but, uh, you know, I just want to, again, stress 8-0 is 8-0. And... Um, Defensively, it was not incredible, but it wasn't bad. You know, the Lakers scored 1.02 points per possession in this game, and you can't fake that. Um, some of that is their offense, but the Hawks did, I think, defend pretty admirably throughout this game. And in the end, the Lakers shoot 42% from the floor, 31% from three, 16 turnovers, and the Hawks won the turnover battle pretty easily. Um, and they held the Lakers to 51% true shooting. You know, just a solid across the board defensive, at least, you know, point prevention output from Atlanta. It was basically Montrez Harrell was the only guy after LeBron left that was really doing much of anything for the Lakers. So uh, credit to Atlanta's defense for at least some of that. And then offensively, the Hawks were not terrible in this game. As much as it seemed like the Hawks really struggled, um, a lot of that was in the last like two and a half quarters or so. They were pretty good before that, which helped. And for the game, they only score 1.08 points per possession, which is bad. That's below average for sure, but it's not catastrophic. And it was probably, uh, it was obviously enough to win this game. Um, I mentioned the second half numbers before. For the game, the Hawks shot sub 40% on the road in Los Angeles against the Lakers and they won, which is not what you expect. But they won the points in the paint battle. They won the turnover battle 16 to 8. That's a huge factor in this spot because the Hawks actually shot a worse true shooting percentage than the Lakers did in this game. They just took care of the ball more and had more offensive rebounds. So it's not always shooting. You know, shooting is a big is a big part of the game. But you, if you're going to dominate the way they did in terms of, of the possession battle, the Hawks took 17 more shots than the Lakers. Uh, that is least, it's a little it's a little bit skewed by the fact that the Lakers took 15 more free, 15, 15 more free throws. But that's still a possession advantage of like nine or ten possessions in favor of the Hawks' offense, and uh, that's the story of the game, honestly. So. As we'll get into in a second with the individual players, there wasn't like a ton of awesome performances. It was basically John Collins is the one guy that I think like played great for Atlanta in this spot, but it was more than enough to win, and uh, that is the end of that. Okay, we'll get into the individual breakdowns, look ahead a little bit to the rest of the week and all that stuff that's coming, but first, a word from our friends at Bill Bar. 
Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market, and in my opinion anyway, the best tasting protein bar ever. And in addition to tasting amazing, it is low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber, and it has 100% chocolate on all of the bars. And now, here in the month of March is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best because it's Built Bar Madness. The bracket is available at BuiltBar.com, and right now we are in the sweetest 16, with a couple matchups still remaining to narrow the field down to eight. It is Coconut Brownie Chunk against Lemon Almond Cheesecake, and Coconut against WC Birthday Cake. All of those are awesome, but my personal favorite of the four is Lemon Almond Cheesecake. I don't want to put my finger on the scales too much, but there you go on that. And if you want more information, you can find it at bar underscore built on Twitter or again at builtbar.com. Remember to use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15. 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won the matchups and who will become the best tasting protein bar. One more time, that is promo code LOCKED15. 15% off your next order. Check it all out at BuiltBar.com. And we'll finish the show up now with the individual breakdowns, as we always do on the podcast. You know, the bench was not fantastic. It was uh, There were some bright spots, though. We'll get into that in a second. Um, the guys who played... Uh, as I said before, they split the center minutes. It was between, between Knight and Okongwu. Neither was particularly good. I think Knight was a little bit better in this game. He had two rebounds in six minutes, was plus four. Uh, Okongwu struggled. He had two fouls, did have a rebound, and uh, actually drew an offensive foul on Montrezl Harrell at one point, but misses only shot and uh, was not fantastic at, at all. Looked a little bit rusty. Uh, he was he was showing a lot more flashes before he got injured, so you're hoping to get that guy again, but he was not very good in this game. Um, and his return back to, I'm sure he was terrified, or not terrified is the wrong word, nervous in his return to Los Angeles. He is from the, South, the Southern California area, so I'm sure he was excited to be home, but uh, did not play particularly well in this game. Uh, the other guys off the bench were, you know, it was sort of a mixed bag. Solomon Hill, I thought, was okay. He was 3 of 7 from 3, and I actually saw some people, like, mad at Solomon Hill for missing some shots. And I, I understand that he, there were a couple of ones that were pretty open that he missed. But you can't really get upset with, with Solomon Hill for shooting three of seven from three. Like, that's better than he's going to shoot on a large sample. I know there were, co- co- again, a couple of pretty open misses, but uh, it's more anecdotal. There was a couple of bigger spots it felt like that he missed shots in. And then defensively, it wasn't like he was huge in this game. He is a couple, you know, honestly, as much as I like Solomon Hill, they're playing Solomon Hill too much for what this team wants. And it's because they're without DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish. Um, you know, I, I, I know it's been a long time at this point, but Solomon Hill is not supposed to play on this team. He's supposed to be like, like an 11th, 12th man for the Hawks, and he's been in rotation all year long because they've had so many injuries, but it is a reminder, even as someone who likes Solomon Hill, that he's not supposed to be in their rotation, and he probably won't be if everybody's healthy. So, Rajon Rondo, a couple of nice flashes. He had five assists. I mentioned the one pass before that um, actually wasn't an assist to Bogdanovich that was awesome. A couple of nice attacks to the rim. Did make one one of his three shots from, from two. Misses only three, but had five assists. Three rebounds. Minus, it was actually minus eight, though. It wasn't like he was terrible, but not a great game. Just a couple of nice flashes, and he actually played pretty hard, I thought. Um, Bogdanovich was solid. He wasn't great in the way that he was in the previous game, but 10 points, three assists, a steal, and a block. Minus 11, though, in 30 minutes. Um, you know, some of that's probably noise, but I think he was all right. He, he shot four of 10, two, two of six from, the, from three. So not any terribly efficient game, not a terrible one either. I thought he was just okay. Um, it was still probably better than he had been before the breakout recently, but uh, not a huge impactful effort. And the guy I would probably say played the second best um, according to their baseline in this game was Gallinari. He had 18 points, four rebounds, three assists, two steals, and a block in 30 minutes. He was 6 of 12 from the floor, 4 of 6 from 3. Had a couple of big shots, honestly. I know that's kind of overstating it because the Hawks never were really challenged, but part of that was because Gallinari had a couple of bigger threes to go from like up 9 to up 12 or go from up 10 to up 13, where if you miss those, it can kind of spiral a little bit for you, and he made a couple of big shots in that second half, and I think he was probably uh, their best offensive player, not named John Collins for most of this game. And uh, to the starters, 
in this spot. Um, three guys who did not do a ton um, out of the starting lineup. Tony Snell played 19 minutes. That was kind of a surprise to me that he was playing as little as he did. Again, part of that is that they went with the Herter Bogdanovich lineup in the clutch, which is not like unexpected. And again, I know Snell's been playing great this year, and I'm a big Tony Snell supporter, as people have probably heard on this podcast. But it's again, he's kind of it's kind of like Solomon Hill in that. He wasn't supposed to play a ton, and I think he's probably earned more playing time. But at the same time, like you can't get too upset when he's not closing games when it's when it's to Herder and, and Bodanovich. So, uh, three points misses uh, misses only two point attempts, one of two from three. Actually got fouled. At least tried to get fouled late, and uh, they didn't give him the call. He would got to the line. I know Kevin Shannard pointed that out. But uh, three points, two steals. He actually had a great defensive sequence though. On actually a couple against Dennis Schroeder, he really bottled him up. Um, a couple times in this game in a pretty encouraging fashion. And Tony is very long. That's something people kind of forget about him is that he is very, very rangy defensively. And you put him on a small guard, he swallows those guys up sometimes. And we saw that in this game. Um, Kevin Herter didn't shoot it great. I mentioned the, I mentioned the one, the one bad air ball. He's actually two of six from three. So it wasn't like he was bad on that. But only one of five on two, three of, three of 11 overall. Eight points, four rebounds, an assist, and a steal. It was plus five. You know. It wasn't his best. It wasn't his worst. He was uh, probably a little bit below average for what he normally would do. But I thought he, I thought he competed defensively, which definitely mattered, and that's kind of all he needed in this game. Click Capella, uh, kind of a mixed bag for Clint. Uh, eight points, sixteen rebounds, which is very good. Um, two assists, a steal, and a block. It was plus fourteen, which is ironic because I thought he played pretty poorly. Um, Twenty-three minutes, which is notable because they ro- they kind of rode without him in the fourth quarter. The big thing is four of sixteen from the floor. Now, I've pointed out a lot this year that Capella's finishing is the only part of his game this year that's been subpar. Like, he's been awesome. Make no mistake, Click Capella has been better than advertised. I think his defense has been hugely impactful. He's been, uh, honestly, if, if, there, if there was like a five-man defensive player of the year ballot, he might be like fourth or fifth. Like, he's that good this, 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 this far this season for his defensive work. But offensively, his finishing has been pretty poor. By his standards all season long, and this game was kind of the apex of that. You know, it's kind of hard for a guy like Clint to take his level of attempts and shoot 4 16. I think it's a little bit of impatience, too. That's something that people were pointing out during this game. I think Jason Walker, old friend of the podcast, and Peter Hoops pointed this out as well. But Capella just kind of rushes sometimes, like kind of flings the ball to the rim and in sort of an unmeasured fashion, and that was kind of the case in this game. I'm not sure if it's just a patience thing or um, just trying to get off his rebounds or whatever it is, but he had a couple of like no chance, like flips to the basket that just have no no idea going in. There are also some misses as well that he just has to make, like pretty straight ahead finishes. But I think the inefficiency at least partially stems from the fact that he just kind of takes some pretty low percentage attempts. As crazy as that is to say, from like five feet away or or fewer, uh, he just kind of takes some flings to the rim, and there was a few of those in this game. Granted, six of those six, six offensive rebounds. I think a couple of those were on, on his own misses, so it wasn't like they were all into possessions. But um, a mixed bag. I thought Clint was bad for his standards in this game. Defensively, though, he still was an anchor. It was in the right place at the right time. Did, did what he needed to do. But offensively, it was a mess. Um, and then Trey Young had an up and down game. I mentioned before. I think Trey was better in the first half and the second half, which is not sort of followed by his scoring. But 14 points, did have 11 assists, including uh, a bunch in the first half. Um, you know, it Trey wasn't great in this game overall but I think he was under control taking taking what they were giving him in the first half made a bunch of nice passes probably should have had a little bit more assists honestly he finished with 11 he probably could have had 13-14 of guys made open shots so that's kind of the story of his career in some respects in terms of the passing numbers but offensively as a shooter and a scorer he just didn't have it in this game he was 6 of six of 11 on 2 which is totally fine but 0 of 7 on 3s and a couple of bad attempts there was one um, in the second half that I just, I just couldn't believe he took honestly and credit to him, 
they've been few and far between this year of like really bad like long distance launches with no rhythm but he had one that was kind of a, a head scratcher in the second half but you know you, you'll have nights when you, when you just miss shots and he did and I thought he still made an impact in a positive way he was plus 13 like that wasn't a fluke either and the Hawks are still better when he plays but that's just uh, was not his best night it wasn't necessarily his worst either because I think in the first half especially the numbers didn't really under didn't really over I'm not sure what I even put it. I'm not sure that his numbers or lack of numbers in the first half really told the story. I think he actually did play pretty well. Um, the second half, less so. And finally, John Collins, who was awesome in this game. Uh, 27 points, 16 rebounds, 3 steals, and 3 blocks in 32 minutes. He was efficient as well. 11-15 from the floor, 1-2 from 3, 4-5 from the free throw line. Uh, good defensively, uh, efficient, you know, again, efficient, productive Played great, played hard, was you know even better for three quarters. His numbers for three quarters were kind of eye-popping. And then the fourth, he kind of went away from him a little bit. In fact, he only had one shot attempt for like the first nine minutes of the fourth quarter, which is not what you would want for someone who's been the best player on the floor in this game. That's the one complaint if you want to find one. But honestly, John was really, really good in this spot. And uh, also a, se- a season high rebounds with 16. So, uh, you know, credit to him. He's, the, I think, the only guy that you could full-blown say was like way better than average in this game. And uh, credit to him for playing as well as he did. So there you go. The Hawks offensively were a mess for most of this game, but it didn't matter. They played good defense. They got the help of the Lakers, and they won the game, which is the most, most important thing in the world. So from here, the Hawks actually stay put in Los Angeles. This is the one part of the trip that does not include a flight because they play the Clippers on Monday. They have a day off on Sunday. This is like a, this is like a, a little mini respite because the Hawks you know, have not had a whole lot of uh, rest slash downtime. I'm sure they'll have a walkthrough of some sort on Sunday, but they have a, a full day in Los Angeles on Sunday to rest, and then they return to, the, they return to action late into the night at 10 p.m. on Monday night against L.A. Lots of late nights in the next couple of, you know, week and a half, two weeks. So uh, prepare for that with some coffee, or if you want to miss games and listen to me on the podcast, um, Godspeed to you. I appreciate you listening to the podcast. Um, but yeah, I mean, top line thought, the Hawks, Won eight games in a row for the first time since 2015, and that team is pretty good. So a nice uh, accomplishment there. Obviously, the sledding should be more difficult, but I said that before this game too. And then LeBron and then LeBron got hurt in the middle of the game. So we'll see. The schedule is what you, the schedule is what it is. But the Hawks keep winning, and uh, they're in great position as a result. So uh, that'll be it for me on this podcast. I am planning to do potentially a mailbag, potentially a guest. I'm kind of working on a couple different things right now for a podcast that will post on Sunday evening into Monday. So I would say plan on that. I'm not going to guarantee it, but I think it's probably going to happen. At the very, very latest, I'll have a podcast after the game on Monday night, but I think there'll be one in between those two. But best case scenario is you subscribe to the show. Please rate and review if you like the podcast as well. Please tell your friends. If you have a Hawks fan friend or two in your life that they're not found the podcast yet, share this with them. If they hate it, that's okay too, but have them at least give it a shot for me. Subscribe, download all that fun stuff. Thanks Thanks for listening as always, everybody, and we'll see you next time.